right, y'all, get ready for another edition of News and Trends with your host, Dave and Lynn. Welcome, welcome, welcome to News and Trends with Dave and Lynn. This is one of your hosts, Mr. David Coker, proprietor of Dave Mark, Inc., promoter, event planner, marketing specialist, media specialist, music management, you name it, I do a little bit of everything. But most of all, I'm an all-around good guy, hanging out with my partner, Mr. Leonard Young, who's going to say he's a good guy, but okay, well, y'all can believe what you want to believe, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, greetings, everybody. This is Leonard Young, CEO of National Black God, DelawareBlack.com, Black Media Specialist, and the better good guy. How you doing, Dave? Hey, what's going on, man? It's 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 a new week, and here we are, and man, you know, I, I guess winter's going, right? Uh, I guess. Yeah, I mean, prayerfully, the the weather is a lot warmer consistently now. You know, before we had winter and summer in the same week. And, uh, you know, now now seems uh, fairly consistent, uh, a hard spring. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's definitely, you know, it was a beautiful day today. You know, um, I mean, it's it's been good and it's definitely good in this area. I guess it's cold in New York right now where Trump is, but that's a whole nother story. Or or hot 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 up there. Yeah, that's that is true. Uh but we we are here where we're here and um you know it's always good um uh, when we come to you guys on Tuesday with a brand new show. Did you do anything special over the weekend, sir? Yeah, um so one thing I did do, um Delaware Fashion Alliance had a fashion show at the Delaware Contemporary Art Gallery. Um, this weekend, um, the executive producer, Brandon Norwood, they did an excellent job. They had about three or four designers and they, they had a real interesting concept. So the concept was thrifted runaway. And basically okay. what that means is that each designer, of course, they had like a set of maybe maybe six models, three men, three women. They were challenged to only spend $350 in thrift stores in the area and come up with designs for those six uh, models. So, you know, of course, everything was kind of retro, vintage, you know, kind of like that. But um, all the designers did a great job. It was a great show overall. And, um, you know, I, I just want to give him a congratulations. He did a great job and, uh, you know, good, good people. Was well, it well attended? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was well attended. Um, it was crazy because right when I pulled up to the door, you know how you pull into the parking lot and I was a little bit late. And uh, that was right when it started pouring down rain. I'm like, damn it. Like, you know, if, if I had been on time, I probably could have walked in without getting wet. But, you know, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Okay. Well, I mean, you still look the same to me. It don't look like you melted or anything <laughs> like that. No, but you're good. No. Well, I didn't go to the to the fashion show that you went to because I wasn't invited, apparently. So I just kind of hung around and did nothing. You know, I, I worked on Saturday. Um, oh, so you, you wouldn't have been able to go anyway. I mean, okay. Oh, what time? What time was the the fashion show? What time you worked till? <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. And so. Then on 
Sunday, I didn't. Uh, I went to church, and that's about it, man. I mean, you know, I don't live the fabulous life like you do. I, I'm, I, I, I used to, I used to have that kind of life, but you know, now I, I don't anymore. You know, I don't get to go to the fashion shows and go to, you know, go to all these exotic places that you go to because you. Well, first of all, you don't invite me half the time. But that's well, I mean, you're, you're at work. You're at work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Um, but I'm glad that I'm glad that uh, the weekend uh, we made it through the weekend and here we are getting ready for uh, well not getting ready we're already started a new week and hopefully uh, this will be a great week well this is a holy week for most people uh, you know because it is Easter uh, it's the week leading up to Easter and um, so you know I remember when I was a kid. This used to be a pretty big week, you know. Everybody get all excited about Easter. You go to church on on Easter mm-hmm. Sunday, and everybody who, who who you're not expecting to see is there because right. you know that's the one that's the one or one time that they show up to church during the year, you know. So, yeah, exactly. And you know, of course, everybody got to come in clean as a board of health, and you know that type of thing. But but uh, things are a little bit different these days. So, but here we are. It's a good week. And I'm sure we got some things that we want to talk about today, right? Yeah, we we definitely do. Okay, well, I guess we're going to get into the show because we have a guest on with us today that, uh, you know, we're excited to have with us. We love it when we have guests on, by the way, because we get to pick other people's brains other than our own. And, you know, so we get to talk to and learn some things from other people. So why don't you uh, give us an idea as, as far as who we have on today um, and how how we're going to entertain everybody with today's show. Sure, definitely, Dave. So today we have uh, Mr. Norman Dempster. He was a, a high school basketball star at Seaford High School, a graduate of Delaware State University. Um, after college, he did many things among DJing. He was a teacher, um, a real estate investor and owner. Um, he was also a, a, a high school basketball coach for his daughter's basketball team. Um, later, he was the owner of the Houston Gun and Rod Club. Gun and Rod Club. Houston is in Kent County, Delaware. Um, a lot of people mispronounce it as Houston, who are not familiar, but it's Houston. And then in 1997, he established the GNR Campground, which is a 32-acre campground that also has a 10,000-square-foot activity hall, uh, space for over 200 RV and tent sites, 16 cottages, and then it also has horseshoe pits, volleyball court, basketball court, bathhouses, general store, and many more. Um, so at this point, I would like to welcome to the show, Mr. Norman Dempster. What welcome Norman. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. Now, now tell me, did I do your bio justice? Well, you, you was a little off there. I, I graduated <laughs> from river high school. Not Seaford. Oh, okay. Okay. Now did you say, uh, yeah. did your daughter go to Seaford or did, did I just pull Seaford out no. of nowhere? No, you just pulled Seaford out of nowhere. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
Okay. Well, you know, other um, than that, everything else looks great. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm glad you could come on the show and I, I'll kind of explain our relationship later, but um, I just want to let you know. So even though we mentioned about the campground and when I first heard about GNR campground, which is, I guess, to a mutual friend and, you know, I looked it up online, Dave, I wasn't expecting to see what I saw, you know, first of all, um, I think I would have been to maybe three or four campgrounds, but, you know, 32 acres, the 200 RV sites. And um, when I when I heard about it, I knew it was owned by a black man. Um, at that point, I hadn't met him. But so so Norman, I guess I guess it start from the beginning. Um, and, you know, specifically with the campground. How how did you come about developing the campground? So, well, I guess if you could back it a little farther, if you can tell about the history of the Houston Gun and Rod Club. Uh, yes, well, how that started, uh, it was World War One, World War Two. That's really where it started, where the black soldiers was not allowed to go into the uh, white clubs at that time. So the federal government allowed the black soldiers to form their own club. So they uh, allowed them to have a gun and rod club. So the Gunner Rod Club has was been there for decades. And I uh, bought the property from the fountains that was well known down here in Sussex County. And uh, I carried on the club at that time. My mother was very religious, always going to church retreats. But the church retreat was only in Philadelphia, New Jersey, or New York. Nothing here in the state of Delaware. So I said, as a young man, if I get able, I'm going to buy a piece of property to have uh, a campground or a retreat area where my mother could have her church retreat in Delaware. So that's how I started the campground. Yeah, And then, so how long... Did you own the? How long were you in ownership of the Gun and Ride Club before you started building the campground? Uh, about uh, three, about three and a half years okay. that I ran the Gun and Ride Club. But during that time, I was running the Gun and Ride Club. My main objective was to make that out of a campground. Gotcha. Okay. And 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 Dave, when I say Norman just about built everything on that that campground, I mean it, it's really amazing. Uh, you know, you definitely have to come down and see it soon. Now, with the campground, you know, and I'm sure being a black man in Sussex slash Kent County, did you run into a lot of issues trying to get the proper permits, materials, um, contractors, if any? a whole lot of problems. I had to build that campground like you're putting together a puzzle. I had to do piece by piece. Uh, the banks, financial institutions uh, would not loan me the necessary money to do uh, what I wanted to do all at once. Right. And 
Um, so I guess during the development of the campground, did you get a lot of, um, so, I mean, of course, you know, a lot of times we are like, I always think about um, what was the baseball oh, field of dreams where they're like, if you build it, they will come. As you were yeah. building the campground, did you feel that um, black people were, were supporting you? Like as you were building, they were coming out to support or did you feel it was a, a struggle to get people to come camping? Well, during that time, a lot of blacks was not camping. Uh, a struggle, yes. The white society, I was known as the juke joint. It was a <laughs> black ran, black ran, and that's where black people went and white people. No, we were not there to go there. We, we was across the track, so to speak. And uh, so I actually, when I shut down the club, uh, because I wanted to get that stigma of being a juke joint or this is where black goes, I struggled for two and a half years uh, before I had my first uh, camper, which was white, to come in. And he was a local right from Milford. Oh, wow. So and then from I'm sorry, go ahead. And then from there, it took off. Okay, so when you shut down the the club until you had your first camper was two years in between? At least two, two and a half years. Wow. Okay, so so I mean, like, how, how do you keep yourself motivated? Because I'm sure, you know, with, I'm just thinking like the average business owner, um, you know, if they open their doors and they didn't have a customer for a week, they'd probably be ready to, you know, close close up shop. Well, as you stated in the intro that uh, I was a uh, a developer, so I had a, quite a few properties, uh, real estate as far as commercial buildings downtown and uh, homes that I was selling during uh, that time. So that supported that that payment that I had to make. Okay. On the and- on the gun run. And when when did you kind of feel, you know, like, I guess, when was that first point where you kind of felt successful with the campground where it's almost like, okay, you know what, you know, people are starting to come in It's you know, um, it, it's not as much as like a struggle mode thing. And, you know, I can see this growing into something bigger. I never took the time to think that I was ever successful because it was an ongoing uh, situation all the time. Uh, The camping world was changing. Uh, It was a homeless problem where people need temporary stay. So I really did not have time to sit and think that I was successful or being successful. I was just that busy. Gotcha. About to say, Davey, you have any? Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to go back to some of the things Leonard said in the bio. Now, you're from Indian River, so you went to Indian River High School, huh? Correct. Um, and you were, you know, Leonard mentioned you were a basketball player, and, you know, um, 
that that that's good to know. I, I actually used to play ball with a couple of guys from Indian River down there. Um, I don't know if you know Sam Lacey and Cedric Ricketts. You ever hear those names before down there? I heard, but it doesn't ring a bell. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I know I know Indian River is is a very unique area. So for for you to to come out of Indian River and to go into that particular uh, business or that particular field, um, what inspired you to to take that leap of faith to go ahead and and do what you started doing with the uh, um, with the um, Gun and Ride Club there? One of the biggest uh, inspiration was in the black community property, I'm going to use this word, was cheap. Oh, okay. Uh, for, an, for, for example, an uh, uh, acre or, or a building lot in the black community was $2,500 or $3,500. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. And yeah. what year was it? What year was it? This was uh seventy seven. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now that same property now would probably cost that much. For an acre. Uh you're talking about between forty five to seventy five thousand. Yeah, that's a great that's a great return on the investment right there. Oh yes, definitely. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, well, you you know you talked about earlier. You talked about um, um, the getting the um, moniker. I'm gonna use as a, I'm gonna use the word moniker as being it being looked at as a juke joint over there, right? Yes. Uh, so. Was the place very popular during that particular period? And, and did you get a lot of people coming in and out over there? Yeah, it was very popular prior to me approaching the property. Uh, it was a gentleman by the name of Penn Fountain. He was uh, the head uh, Elks Lodge director up and down the East Coast. And that's where it was the uh, Elk Slides Bull Roast uh, was held, and also the Black Negro League had a uh, a league back there. Oh, so that's why really? we went. Yes, yes. Okay, so it sounds like you got that that particular place. There's a lot of history there. Oh yes, sir. Whole bunch. Have you ever, has anybody ever talked about getting it on the National Registry as far as historical sites is concerned? Well, a couple of people have a, approached me at the time, but again, I was very busy. I have not had the time to do so. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. it sounds like with a lot of the stuff that probably went on there, that that might be something that might be worthwhile checking into is to probably get it listed um, because I'm sure the history is there. When you look at when you look at uh, certain areas, and especially when it comes to um, people of our color.
but in Harrington, a lot of, a lot of my family comes from, from down that way. And so oh, okay. I remember I remember hearing a lot of stories growing up about uh, places and things that were going on down there. And I remember um, a particular cousin of mine, older cousin of mine, used to talk about this place they used to hang out there. I wonder if it was, <laughs> I wonder if it was there. And now that you mentioned what you just did, it just made me think of it just then. I wonder if they were talking about the, the Gun and Rod Club back then. Well, the Gun and Rod Club and the Moonlight Grill. So those were the two popular places in that area that black wow. people go. Yeah, okay. And, um, and believe me, knowing my people down there, they, probably, <laughs> we said they, they were regulars. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. They probably were. They probably, look, I'm surprised their name's not carved in, in any of the bricks or anything. Right. Well, you know, Dave, yeah. um, I, I did tell Norman, and you know, I'll say to get to Norman, like, uh, you know, I want to take a day with Norman and really just, just videotape, you know, all his stories because, I mean, it is some great history. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of this is not documented. And, you know, so like I think there's so much time with our history that, you know, it gets passed down the line and then eventually it doesn't get passed anymore. And, uh, you know, when I heard the story and, you know, um, Norman, when you told me about the Negro League, because it's funny, um, my wife and I were talking to Norman. And you know how someone drops something on you? You're like, huh? And later I went home and I tried to Google, but I, I didn't see any. I, I think I saw one thing about um, the Negro League team, but they, I mean, if, if you Google it, there's really nothing you can bring up on Google except for like a mention. Are, are you able to tell us any, just out of curiosity, are you able to tell us any, any more information about the Negro League team or, you know, I guess maybe when it disbanded or moved or well, I I really couldn't, but I couldn't elaborate on that. But I have the a couple of gentlemen that actually played in the league and formed the league. They're still living. Oh, really? Wow. Are are they still in Delaware? Yes. Wow. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah, and see. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, Norman. Go ahead. Matter of fact, that. The uh, the son of the father lives right at the end of the lane of the campground. On the the one with the white fence or the other side? Yes, the one with the white fence. Yes, that's the. Uh, yeah. Now, and a Don and a Don Blakely, he lives in Camden, Delaware. He's a politician, and right? He was. Yes, he knows. He knows everything about it. Oh wow! Okay, and and you know it's so crazy because th these are Delaware stories. Um, uh, Norman, before I spoke to you, I never knew Delaware had any type of Negro League team. Like th 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 this is all brand new to me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, now I didn't know they had. Negro teams here, uh, league teams here, because I, uh, a lot of the players have been well documented. And of course, um, our, our, our buddy, uh, Andrew McCordy, um, you know, she's, um, you know, she's a historian on the Negro leagues. You know, she's the one that always brings the, um, the players that are still living over to the, um, Crawley Stadium. Yeah, Judy, Judy Johnson. Johnson Field. Yep. 
have you ever been up to Judy Johnson Field, Norman? No, I have not. No, I haven't. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, she, we have, there's a, a, a lady up this way who, who always brings, uh, she tries it. I think she tries to do it every year and they always meet up at the, uh, um, stadium, which is where the, uh, blue rocks, the semi-pro uh, baseball team. Um, I mean, the minor league baseball team plays, um, up in Wilmington and they, a lot of the living legends from the Lake Negro league, she usually gets them all together every year and they, mm. they meet up at that stadium. Um, okay. and you know, a lot of them, you know, some of them played, you know, with Judy Johnson and, you know, um, some of the older ones that are still living and so forth. But that's, that's really great to know that type of history and uh, to have that kind of knowledge. And this is where, we have the biggest problem with a lot of things that go on in the world, um, especially here in the United States with black history. And um, is that a lot of it is undocumented uh, because, you know, we wasn't allowed to really document a lot of the stuff that went on back then, you know, Uh, and then you, the people who were actually playing in these leagues and, who um or some of the other histories that we've had that we're finding out about now uh you know some of people couldn't read or write and they couldn't document it themselves you know so it's really it's really a shame that we hear these stories and the people that can tell the stories a lot of them of course have passed on or they're you know they're in a situation where they can't tell the stories and the few that can tell the stories you have to find them to be able to get the stories. So it's good to know that there are still a few around that we can talk to because I know anytime, I, I never forget one time I was, uh, one time I was at an event um, in Wilmington and um, I used to manage a particular band here um, in Wilmington and we were sitting there, the band was playing the, uh, drummer comes over to me and says to me, do you know who that man is sitting over there? And it was an older gentleman sitting over with his family and friends at a table. And I'm looking at the guy. I didn't know who he was. And he might have been in his 70s at the time. I said, no, I don't know who that is. And he said, I'm going to give you a name. You Google the name. And so I picked up my phone. I put the name in. And it turns out uh, the guy's name was Purdy. His last name was Purdy. I remember his last name. And he was in the Guinness Book of World Records, black man, as the most recorded drummer of all time. Mm-hmm. He played on some of the biggest hits ever produced. And one particular person, he was her drummer for like over 20-something years, which was Aretha Franklin. He played on all of her biggest hits, <laughs> you know, and my yeah. drummer was going nuts because he knew who he was. <laughs> and so he, you know, when you see a kid in a candy store, because that's usually what happens when we are among greatness, and especially us black people, when we recognize greatness, we tend to really, really get excited and whatever. And this guy was so excited. He goes, he introduces himself to us. Um, 
uh, well, Joe, uh, the drummer brings him over. He introduces himself to us. He has a copy of his, uh, um, his book that he written, he had written about, um, you know, being a drummer on some of these famous songs. Um, he had a couple of CDs there that he had played studio, um, CDs that he had done. But the biggest thing is, are they got him up to play. Um, on one of Aretha's um, biggest hits, and I swear, this guy didn't miss a beat, and he was, <laughs> I mean, it was just incredible watching him play, and you can hear, you know, you can hear his licks and everything, so when you meet people like this, and you see the greatness, and, and a guy like yourself who, who, who kind of watched everything unfold down in that area as you were building your you, you you know your spot down there that's really incredible so um i'm a history person myself and i get mad when i hear something for the first time you remember when that movie hidden figures came out remember remember Leonard, when that movie came oh, out yeah. they made all the fuss you know how come we didn't know that exactly because because uh we we weren't supposed to we, we figured we it out supposed to. yeah we wasn't supposed to know about it right you know when you have a place down there in, in Houston, like that Gun and Ride Club, and I, I told Leonard, you know, since, um, you know, you, you and Leonard had met and, and formed the relationship that you guys have formed, the partnership and so forth, um, the I had been down there to that Gun and Ride Club a couple of times. I don't know if Leonard mentioned to you. I, my, I work for the state of Delaware, and we did a couple of events down there, you know, a few years ago. And I just remember going down there and seeing seeing all of that land down there and everything. We were like, "Wow, <laughs> you know, you know, that's what we were doing, you know." But were you going to say? Oh, I remember. Uh, you... I remember. Oh yeah, yeah. And, 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 Dave, Dave, you know, let, let me ask yeah. you: When you went there, did you know it was black owned at the time, or you just it was no, just something that the state went know. to? Did not did not know it was black owned. Now I just remember that you know everybody that we dealt with on both of those both of those occasions i think we were down there twice on both of those occasions i just remember seeing only blacks you know <laughs> down there but i didn't know what like on you know yeah. because that's not un- look we know that's not uncommon you know usually, <laughs> usually uh, just, you know serving and all of that kind of stuff so so i didn't think anything of it but then when you told me once you you know once i figured out that was the same place after you and I talked. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. So um, it's good to know that it was Black-owned. And now you and Leonard meet, and you guys form this relationship that you form. And then what made you pitch to Leonard about maybe possibly becoming the new owner of this place because of the history okay. and what i mean by because of the history it has always been owned by blacks now i have developed this property and it's very marketable in the white society but i refuse to sell to the white society, I try to pass it on to somebody black. Well, and 
That was that's, the same objective. That's deep because, as we know, in business today, they don't care. They don't care what the person looks like yeah. that's giving the money. They just want the money. You know what I'm saying? So for you to have that kind of conviction to bring somebody in that was going to keep it, um, keep keep that campground and, 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 and building going the way that it has, being Black-owned, previous owners, and then meeting meeting Leonard and his wife and being able to determine that, hey, you know, you got a good vibe from them, I take it, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, that's good because yeah. when I first met Leonard, I didn't get that vibe. <laughs> so, Norman, you know, Norman, you know. Norman, Norman, when I first met Dave, he, he, he stalked me in a bar. <laughs> he, he, stalked, he stalked me. Uh, look, look, let me tell you, let me... But since we're talking about this kind of stuff, let me let me say this to you, and 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 I'm going to be a little sincere, <laughs> a little sincere here. <laughs> okay, I'm going to put it this way. Now, that 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 meeting that you had with Leonard and 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 getting to know him and realizing that this could be a good move to go ahead and 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 sell this sell everything to Leonard and his wife. It, it had to be because of the vibe you got from them and, and just feeling good about the two of them. I, and Leonard go there talking about how I stalked him. <laughs> that's he, that's he funny did. that he, he said did. that. I mean, I, I ain't lying. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm going to say, I'm going to say to you, that was the same thing that happened to me. Uh, Leonard, you know, now, you know, there's a, there's an age difference between the two of them. I'm much older than Leonard, but uh, he, you know, he was somebody much older, much, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said much already because I knew you okay. were gonna bring that up. Right. So, all right, all right. So, but he, I, I met Leonard at one of his functions, and uh, well, I didn't really meet him that night, but I, you know, I saw Leonard that light at night, and I just kind of was like, this young man put this event together. He had a he has an event that he does every now and then called the Delaware Black Awards. He ever tell you about this? No, I, I no, not really. No. Oh, see, he doesn't tell. He doesn't tell a lot about himself, Norman. Well, you got to well, kind of pull it out of him. Well, no, well I, I mean, I haven't done that event in almost well, eight years, so you know, I don't go around talking about. Has it, it been that long? Sixteen, two thousand six, two thousand sixteen. Well, okay, well, but even still, you did a number of them, okay, right. and and that particular event, what he used to do, Norman is. He he would honor uh, Black Delaware, you know, and you know, like if you own the business, uh, you know, he would own. He would uh, give it a chance to be, you know, he would say the best in certain areas of business here in Delaware. So it was like, you know, um, you know, best barbershop, best the, hair salon, best, best you know, you know that, those type company, of those type black, of things, all, all black you know, owned, all black owned businesses. So um, he did a number of these awards, and I was like, I was so impressed with the way this uh, the presentation of his event was, and I was like, this young guy did all of this, you know. And I was thinking to myself, okay, well, it seemed like somebody I want to know, and I didn't get a chance to meet him the the 
the first time I went to one of his went to one of those awards was his second year doing the award. I didn't go to the first one. I went to the second one. And I just remember my thinking to myself, okay, this is somebody I might want to know, you know, seemed like he might be somebody that would be, um, you know, we can benefit from each other, getting to know each other. But I didn't meet him the night of the award. So a couple of days later, I'm sitting in, uh, I, I go to, was I there? You were there first. You were there first, right? Uh, uh, I don't remember. Yeah, well, I go, there's a restaurant, there was a restaurant um, in, in Wilmington, and we both ended up there at the same time. And I look at him, I said, oh, that's the guy from the awards. So I go over and introduce myself, and we get to talking, and we've basically been inseparable since. <laughs> you know, and that was how many years ago? That was uh, a long Good time minute. ago, right? Yeah, yeah. probably 10 yeah, You know, so, yeah, so... Um, and I, I've tried Norman to get him to leave me alone, but he won't. <laughs> okay. So uh, I'm sure he's going to do the same thing to you. You're going to be stuck with him for a little bit. You know, what, what, so. what, what, what they, they, I, I already told Norman, Norman feels like family. And, uh, so I'm, I'm just going to start referencing him like family now. So, uh, <laughs> hey, hey, uh, Norman, I'm, I'm not going nowhere either. <laughs> but I'm just warning you, Norman. He means that. He's going to be around you. I'm just letting you know. So, uh, I, uh, you know, but you, you know, I know he just made his, the, he made the announcement on our show a couple of weeks back. And, you know, I was really proud to hear him talk about, you know, making this move. And, um, you know, and he's really excited about it. And, and it's just good to have something like this to, you know, to come along and especially for a young black guy who, who, um, you know, these opportunities normally wouldn't have come to us without, um, timing being a big part of it, but hard work, you know, a person like you putting in the time and, and the hard work that you put on has uh, put in has made it possible for a guy like, Leonard and, and his wife, Yolanda, to be able to to do something like this and to be able to take something that had been Black-owned and keep it Black-owned because that's the problem these days. We will build something up, but they will come along and take take it and take all the credit like we never existed. And yeah. we can't have that with this. You know, we're not going to allow that to happen, I'm sure. Leonard and Yolanda will make it into a place that you will be proud of and we all will be proud of. I believe so. Yeah. Yep. And, and, you know, and one thing I think for my wife and I, you know, we, we, of course, very thankful, you know, to Norm for the opportunity, but, you know, also it's like, um, have you ever, you know, like growing up, you know, you know, and, you know, growing up with your parents, you know, you have ups and downs and all that. And then your mom, like for the first time, she trusts you with the house key, you know, like, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it's almost like, you know, you know, kind of like the opportunity we have from what Norman built, um, you know, we, we don't take it lightly. You know, we know that it's, you know, a great honor. We know we're lucky, you know, in the right time and space. And we also recognize 
you know, the desire and the need to keep it black owned. So, of course, Dave, we just talked about all the history that's there. And we already know if, you know, Norman, I'm sure Norman, you know, multiple offers for, you know, you know, whatever dollar amounts, if he had sold to somebody who was non-black and maybe not the right candidate, all this history that we that we're talking about now would have stopped right there. You know, um, you know, it, it, it wouldn't have progressed. And so, you know, we. We take it as a great honor. And, and Norman, I want to personally thank you live on our show, News and Trends with, with Lynn. Uh, we'll talk about Dave later. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, I, I just want to honestly thank you and, and, and really let you know that we don't take this honor lightly. Um, you know, we're very appreciative. And, you know, we definitely do want to continue to build something that, you know, you'll be proud of. And you'll be proud that you made the right decision. So, um, I do want to let you know that as well. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. This is uh, News and Trends with Dave and Lynn, and you have been listening um, to the voice of Mr. Norman Dempster, um, who is a historian in himself and also a former owner of the DNR campground um, that is now owned by our own Mr. Leonard Young and his beautiful wife, Yolanda. And um, so, so you know, we have the passing of the torch, so to speak, you know, from the previous Black owner to new Black owners, you know. So um, we are asking everyone who likes to camp out and RV and all you know do all types of different things and people that want to do events and weddings and stuff like that to definitely utilize um you know leonard and yolanda and their um new investment um and and let's make this into a whole new um thing to talk about you know because this new history we're definitely not going to lose. We're definitely going right. to. We're definitely going to track this new history, but we want to. We want to definitely make sure the old history gets recognized. And I'm hoping Leonard, with what I said earlier about maybe checking in to see if that can get listed in some type on on the registry or something like yeah, that definitely. down there. Definitely. You know, because we can't lose the history, and that's where we have made our biggest mistakes over the years is letting our history get lost. Now, of course, a lot of it is starting to pop up now, um, you know, and, you know, of course, a lot of it has come about because of things that have happened over the last three years, three to four years, um, which have been tragic, but has, on the flip side, given us a chance to um, do the necessary checks that we've had to do in order to find out the things that we needed to find out about who we are as a people, the things that we've done as a people, and the things that we can do as far as the future is concerned. So um, this is that type of opportunity, um, you know, and I'm glad that Mr. Dempster had the uh, foresight to be able to see in you guys um, what he needed to see in order to be able to make this come true for everyone um involved 
So what we're going to do now, Mr. Dempster, is there anything that you uh, want to promote or anything you have going on? And you should be writing some type of memoirs or a book. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been told that. <laughs> yeah, that's something, you should, yeah. that's something you should be doing because I actually think with all that you know and all that you've done, that it would definitely be something worth reading. Uh, and, um, and, and, you know, maybe you said Mr. Fountain is still living, right? No, no, all the, it's three brothers. All of them are deceased now. Uh, oh, okay. What about the fam? Did they have children or, or uh, anything? Yes. Yes. They had children. Yeah. Okay, because I'm pretty sure that some of that knowledge has been passed down, I'm sure. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that might be something that you might want to look into is is is, is writing your memoirs or, or doing some type of book and getting, you know, collaborating with with maybe that family and 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 then, you know, you can go the past, you know, from the past owner to fountains to yourself to the new owners. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah, if I have to think some about. direction, how to do that. Uh, if I have some uh, direction. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you got me in. Le look, yeah. Leonard and I, you know, first and foremost, we're marketing people. So, so you know, so okay. we we definitely, you know, you got one stop shopping with us, right, Leonard? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So and, and yeah, Dave, we can, I, we can help I, I will also go to say, you know, even with Norman um, owning the campground for, you know, as long as he did, uh, I'm sure he had all kind of campground stories. Um, and, you know, Norman, I'm sure you probably told me a few other stories, but I'm sure you probably got a ton of stories that, you know, you ain't even thought of to tell yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. the ones that he the ones that he can tell. Right, <laughs> right. Wait, wait, say uh, some some of them have to protect the innocent and uh, innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, there you go, there you go, there you go. So, okay, all right. Well, well, Norman, what we like to do, we like to have our guests hang in on, with us as we uh, we like to talk about a few stories and get your get our guest input. If you don't mind, if you want to hang out with us, we're gonna go into our topics for tonight's show and get your input on some of these topics as we are talking, if that's okay with you. That's fine. Okay. All right. Okay. So uh, let's take a look here. So uh, matter of fact, this is right up, this is right up our alley right here. I actually came across a story earlier today um, that would fit right into where we what we're talking about now, uh, which is called RVing while black. <laughs> Thought that was pretty apropos for today's subject and everything. So I wanted to bring that up. And um, so for those who are not familiar, you know, it has become, and I think Lenny, you and I just had a conversation about this recently, right? About how RVing has become popular these days with people of color? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, okay. and, you know, I, I think part of it is just due to social media. So, you know, people are seeing that 
um, what you thought about RV in the past is, is totally different now. Cause, uh, and I, uh, Norman knows too, some of those new RVs are very nice and, yeah. and very pricey. Yeah, I heard they are. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, um, some of them, you know, you're looking at a hundred and 200 and $300,000 for one of those things, right? Yep. Yeah, uh, probably like the, the motor, the motor coaches, motor buses, probably around a hundred or did that sound about right, Norman? Uh, about a hundred, 150, somewhere along that line. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that, 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 that right there is a house on wheels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you better have all the amenities you need in those things. Yeah, definitely. But, um, I came across a story, and I'm just going to read a little bit of it right now before we start talking about it. It says, most of you have probably heard of DWB, which is driving while black. This term refers to difficulties faced specifically by black drivers, including being yelled at by highway patrol officers, being forced into random vehicle searches, or worse, being physically assaulted due to racial profiling. Unfortunately, DWB extends to other types of personal transportation in America, such as RVs. RVing may be considered a quintessential American pastime. Images of the great American road trip come to mind. But this activity has risks for um, BIPOC. Uh, which is well it's an acronym b-i-p-o-c you ever heard of this um norman no i haven't no i have not okay okay it says it stands for black indigenous and people of color pronounced bipod this is a term specific to the united states intended to center the experiences of black and indigenous groups and demonstrate solidarity between communities of color. That's interesting. I never heard that before. Right. I mean, it, 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 I guess these are people that move around a lot and, you know, so forth, you know, don't really have one particular place they're calling home at the time, you know? Um, as you know, uh, it says our co-founder Parker is on the road, is on a road trip. And it says that, you know, across this American South and Midwest with mixed race family to raise visibility for BIPOC travel and outdoor uh, reservations. Uh, it says, however, things aren't magically discrimination free. And, and this was talking about the year 2022 for the Parker family or other BIPOC families. When on a road trip today, there's a high likelihood families will pass through predominantly white communities full of conservative residents with their Trump signs still up. In fact, there was one of the first things, this was one of the first things Parker encountered on her trip. Even if nothing happens when passing through these towns, the mere anxiety of mentally preparing for a list of what if put strain on those traveling, especially the parents of children of color. Moreover, as we discussed in an earlier blog post, Sundown Towns, <laughs> Leonard, remember we talked about that? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, Norman, are you familiar with the term Sundown Towns? No, I'm not. 
Leonard Villeman on Sundown Time Town. Yep. So um, a couple of weeks ago, we we just talked about a story. So basically, a Sundown Town was, you know, I guess years ago where blacks either needed to be out of town by sundown or they need to be in their house and not come outside. Um, there was a truck driver who said he had gone to a sundown town and um, he was out after hours because he didn't know. And everybody was looking at him almost like, you know, he, he was the next victim. And he said, you know, it was just very eerie. But, you know, of course, um, he referenced just back in the day how a lot of, um, you know, the Ku Klux Klan would, uh, come out and they specifically reference like Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, you know, those areas and Texas. I think Texas was a big one too. Yeah. Oh. Texas definitely was a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you never heard of that before, huh? You know, I yeah. heard my mother say she's from Alabama and I oh, have okay. heard my mother in discussions to say, you got to be in before the sun go down. Mm -hmm. I never understood yeah. that. Well, there you now go. That's that part of it right there. Yeah. Yep. And it says here that sundown towns were full force in certain areas until the 70s. There you go. It's right there, right? And national parks that were located in segregated parts of the country during Jim Crow upheld the local separate but equal policies thereby making outdoor recreation less safe for black families. American road trips, whether as the mythology, we see satirized in a movie like National Lampoon Vacation or practical living, uh, live experience of them are overwhelmingly white. Some black men from the South remember hearing the stories of the boogeyman in the woods growing up, right. which was often code for the KKK will get you. While a lot has changed from the better for the better since the civil rights movements of the 50s and the 60s, the child, childhood stories stick with people. You don't simply forget the racism you experience and that you've been taught to be wary of because businesses are legally obligated to say they don't discriminate based on race. Racism lives on, however, insidiously. So basically, in this story, they're just talking about, you know, more and more of us are getting out there and, you know, exploring and camping and having fun, um, you know, being a little more free and uh, and getting out there and just doing things. So I have a, a friend of mine who's a young lady. She loves to go camping and whatever, but she's has had some good experience and she's had some bad experiences when it comes to camping because and she's a very fair-skinned person, but if you don't look like them completely in some places, they don't want you there. And she said she's been made to leave places because she wasn't supposed to be there, you know. Um, it's a good thing if you get to go to places, because there's a lot of Black campgrounds that are popping up all over the country now. and. But still, it's not a lot of them, you know, per, you know, state, you know, that is, you know, they're popping up all over the country, but you still have to do some driving to get to some of them. Fortunate enough, we have one here in Delaware. Well, actually, it's two. There, there's another one down down in that central area, right? 
not that I know of. I thought I saw one that was listed a little further down, maybe, that people used to go to. But maybe I'm wrong about that. But see, there you go. That's the perfect that's the perfect reason, you know, to have a place like this where they can feel comfortable to go to and have someone that looks like you to run it. Um, so but I just thought it was an interesting story because it really makes because a lot of people are RVing nowadays. Um, I know. Well, Leonard, you did it quite a bit yourself, right? Yeah, and you know when you're reading the story, one of the things I was thinking about. So we we got our RV in 2020, which was during the pandemic, and um, even before the RV, we had rented an RV and took it up to Niagara Falls, maybe like 2018 or 2019. And I mean, I, I'll say all our experiences have been good. Um, one thing I've noticed in a lot of the campgrounds and RV parks, the ones that are, um, you know, more transient than, you know, the long term. And, and I was really kind of surprised, you know, majority of the people were very friendly. They were very helpful. So I'll just give you an example. When we first got our RV in 2020, um, you know, we didn't really know how to work everything. You know, they, they gave us a, a quick demonstration and then, you know, got us out the door. And when I got to the campground, I wasn't sure how to hook everything up. And, you know, there was a, a white guy who was next to us. He saw me kind of struggling and, you know, trying to Google stuff. He came over and helped me. Um, the next day we were missing, um, we were missing something. And some guy said, oh, you know, take take this. So, and, you know, even with the GNR campground, you know, it, um, it I wouldn't have thought it. But it does seem a lot like a community in there, too. You know, a lot of people talk to each other. Um, and I'm sure Norman probably, you know, has all the story. But I heard someone say the other day, they were like, yeah, you know, like, like I recognize the cars coming in. I recognize, you know, who's in what what um, RV. Um, they recognize the people who kind of stick to themselves, which, you know, really kind of gives that community feel. Cause people recognize what people do and don't do. Norman, um, would you kind of agree with that? Oh, yeah, 200 percent. Yes. 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 I mean, you know, like in general, everyone just seemed friendly. They seemed helpful. And Dave, it almost seems like when people come to the RV parks that they they want to interact with people. Now, you know, not to kind of like be that annoying neighbor, but. You know, uh, <laughs> and I'm sure Norman knows as well. A lot of people there are very talkative. You know, like you'll start talking and like, no, I'm, but I'm, I'm serious. Like they will really talk to you. Like have uh, Norman yesterday, there was <laughs> so. And, you know, I was almost embarrassed because on Saturday we had a um, an RV that came into the park. And he um, when he was turning one of the corners, he kind of brushed up against a tree and his RV quote unquote kind of became um uh, uh um I don't even know what to say, but his RV kind of came like ledged like between the tree. And you know, we were able to 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 get the RV moving again and went to the campsite. And I was talking to Norman maybe that same Saturday. I'm like, yeah, how's that? You know, cause you know, I'm thinking, okay, he had, he kind of brushed the tree. This probably happened every once in a while. And I was like, Norman, has this ever happened before? He's like, nope. Never. <laughs> and I was like, damn. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, damn. 
I was like, Nor- Norman had the part 30 years and, and on my watch, you know, <laughs> with, within the first two weeks, someone gets wedged, you know, in a tree. But I say that to say on Monday, I was walking around the park and the guy stopped me and he was saying, hey, you know, um, the part that broke off of the RV was just a little plastic part. He's like, it only cost $99 to get it fixed. And I had to ask him, I was like, okay, is that 99 good or bad? And he's like, you know, it's good because it didn't hit any of the mechanical system. But they, he literally talks to me for the next 20 minutes. And, but, you know, I just kind of feel like that's the vibe of a lot of campgrounds where people, you know, and I mean, he, he didn't know me from anything, but, you know, that's, that's just the vibe. And I'll say one thing that I saw that Norman did, and, you know, hopefully I can ascertain to some level, but, you know, Norman, Norman talked to everybody. And when I was looking at like, so Norman, before my wife and I bought the campground, we were, you know, just Googling because, you know, we're just trying to do all the research. And one of the things they said, one of the top things they said is that when people go to campgrounds, they like to have that personal feel, you know, like they, they don't want it to be like a, you know, a corporation or a corporate campground, you know, they, they want that, um, you know, that personal feel, they want to feel welcome. They want to feel um, included. And that's one thing Norman did a great job of, um, you know, I guess quickly, like how, how did you, was that just your personality or did you, you did you kind of recognize that, you know, camping with more of an interactive experience and that's just, how other people like to interact with the owners and people on the campground. Well, number one, it's in our culture to talk and communicate and have conversations. In our culture, we got so spread out. We, as a black race, we don't do that anymore. Right. Every person on this earth loves to be talked to and have a conversations with. It's just in our DNA. Everybody, black, white, Asian, or whatever. But we just have to find the the level or the key uh, or what those persons are interested in. And everybody wants to be treated nicely. Right. So you you, you can't out trump that. You know? <laughs> And, and you know, and even though, go ahead. No, no, no. I'll finish now. Okay. Even though ninety-five uh, percent of the clientele is white, they have where whatever part of the country they come from, they have a thought of how black people act and, and supposed to act and whatever. And then just like with you and your wife, sir, and even with myself, when we do not come out and say, oh, 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 ooh, <laughs> oh they look at us being a little intelligent. And then we can elaborate on some of the things they have interest in then that makes them feel more comfortable. Right. I agree. It kind of made me think of uh, the Maya Angelou quote. People remember how they may not remember what you said, but they remember how you make them feel. And, you know, I think that's the precedent Norman said at his campground that 
you know, they may not remember, you know, like they even even today. Yeah. Wh- where's the, um, you know, the the, the owner and they're, they're talking about Norman and they don't they don't know his name. They don't remember what right. he looked like, but they remember that he made them feel good during their interaction. And, you know, that's kind of what prompted them to come back. Because the, the one thing I always think about, too, is, you know, there's there's hundreds of cramp, campgrounds around the U.S. You know, like, why would they come here? And I think it goes back to, you know, like the, the way you make a person feel is, you know, a, a deciding factor why they may come back. And then Norman, on the second part, and, and I'm glad you said it because um, I was going to ask it earlier, but I forgot. So you mentioned you said nothing trumps that during um, the presidential election. Did you have like were there a lot of people with Trump? You know, because you know, I, you know Sussex County and Kent County. I know there were a lot of Trump supporters. Were there um, like were there any Trump supporters in the the campground or any stories or situations dealing with that? Oh, quite a few. And how I handle that, I, I mean, I didn't know there was Trump supporters until they actually came in the campground and they was flying their flags. So I was just very politely go up to them and says, you know, it's not allowed uh, in here because I refuse to have this as a... Uh, and I would gather myself like uh, like I'm doing now and say, don't want any controversy here because there's right. some Trump uh, and there's non-Trump. So I do not only one flag that I'm sorry, there was only two flags that I allowed to fly in here. That's the United States flag. And if it's a military flag, no gotcha. other flags are allowed to well, this is freedom of speech. And I said, you know what? You're right. You have freedom of speech, and I have freedom of speech. <laughs> but, 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 it's, but I have one thing over you. I'm the owner of this campground. Right. So your Damn. speech is not allowed if you're running that flag. I'd be more than glad to give you your money back. I'd be more than glad to let you know where another campground is, but that has to come down. And I say, I'll be back immediately. I had a couple people actually take the flags down and leave, but the majority of them respected what I said. Right. You know, yeah. So that's the encounter. <laughs> okay. I understood. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's that's the way that's the way you got to handle it because we we always have to make sure that we are first of all we're we we are respected as businessmen we're respected as far as our um, uh, business acumen and then also we're respected as men period or women men people period okay. You know, we're not going to let the color of our skin dictate to you, the the person that we're speaking to, your perception of who we are. You deal with us yes. according to the way that you would deal with anybody else, you know, and that's, you know, that's the way it should, should be. Um, I mean, it's gotten better over the years, but, you know, because there are some very powerful blacks out there, you know, people of color out there 
who are out there getting this paper, making this money, and um, you know who have and you know who have done some really big things, and you know one of them is Mr. Leonard Young. So here we go. You know, um, um, Norman, have you been able to keep track of how many times I've tried to prop him up since we've been on this show? <laughs> I'm just trying to make sure. Um, I'm trying yeah. to get my quota up. I'm trying to get my quota up so uh-huh. that you know things things start happening in my bank account. So, um, <clears throat> so here, we, here count- we go. I stopped counting. I stopped yeah, counting after Okay, <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. That's good. That means that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing tonight. Okay, all right, that's good. All right, so we're going to move on to our next subject. Now, uh, you know, not, are you a big sports fan, Norman? Uh, somewhat, yes. Okay. Uh, I always have to fight with my partner because my partner is a quasi sports fan. You know, he, you know, he gets on the bandwagon when stuff, big stuff happens. That's when he gets on the bandwagon. You know, uh, uh, you, you know, certain things. Are you a football fan? Are you an Eagles fan? Or you're, are you a uh, Eagles fan? You are an Eagles fan, Eagles. okay. Leonard, Leonard is a you know Leonard is the Eagles fan when they're winning, and that's when he's on. Board, no, so, no, no, uh, no, no, no. Yeah, so but, that, that, that uh, is but not I'm, correct. <laughs> but but you know we've had quite a run um, in sports around here in, in um, the tri-state area, up in this area, especially Philadelphia, and you know with the Philadelphia teams with baseball and. Even their uh, their their soccer team, and um, um, also um, you know, of course, the baseball team, um, the football team as well. Um, hopefully, the Sixers make a little bit of a run um, this year as well. With basketball season about to come to an end, and the playoffs about to start, um, we even had, unfortunately, um, Dawn Staley, who's from Philadelphia, who was a coach who's the coach of the University of South Carolina women's basketball team had um won forty one had forty one wins in a row, was the favorites to win the uh NCAA women's championship this year and they unfortunately got beat from by a team from Iowa with a superstar who was named Caitlin Clark. Uh yeah. Who yeah, that girl she can play. I ain't gonna lie. She she is a beast. She really is and um, but she, um, her and her team took out South Carolina. I'm a big South Carolina fan, by the way, and took out South Carolina, um, you know, and made their way to the, uh, finals against LSU. And I guess you have to be under a rock to know what happened next. Um, you know, cause LSU <laughs> <laughs> won the game. Yeah. They wasn't supposed to win because I, I was, it was favored and of course Iowa starts four white females and a the the other starter is interracial and so they it looks like five white starters on the court because she's very fair and you know of course you know here we go we we can't get away from black and white ever you know there's always going to be black and white and you know um especially after Iowa beat South Carolina a bunch of black girls and mm-hmm. kind of toyed with them in that game a little bit, you know, um, mm-hmm. get to this game, you know, they're going up against another black team and um, this time they lost, but it wasn't so much, you know, even though it was a great game, I don't know if you heard, they set the record for the most watched basketball game 
in years. They had over 9 million people to watch that game. Um, okay. But something happened <laughs> at, you know, towards the end of the game that kind of trumped, and we can't get away from that, get away from that <laughs> word today. I guess that's the word of the day. <laughs> right. Kinda, yeah, the word of the day. Um, kind of trumped everything that happened leading up until that point, which was towards the end of the game, Angel Reese, the star player, star center for LSU, started taunting um, Caitlin Clark, the star player for Iowa, with the famous John Cena move. If you're familiar with John Cena from wrestling, he used to always mm -hmm. throw his hand in front of his face and wave it saying, you can't see me, which Caitlin <laughs> Clark actually had done in a previous game against Louisville on the way to the finals. Because, of course, mm -hmm. she had like two big 40-point games and she was up there talking about they can't see her and whatever. So she did it to other teams on her way. But, of course, this time she's on the losing end and they're losing and Angel Reese takes it upon herself to get in her face and start waving her hand saying, you can't see me. Now, of course, it's on national TV. Um, it started off a firestorm on Twitter and all the social medias, all the news centers and sports centers and all of that stuff. And so a lot of people were wondering, first of all, because everybody has an opinion about it. First of all, is that something that she should have done? Or did it look like to you, um, well, of course, a lot of people looked at it as poor sportsmanship, but um, do you think that it was warranted as far as what happened? I'm going to put it that way. What's your opinion on that? I think it was warranted. Uh, uh, Norman. I, yeah, go ahead, I think, Norman. I think, it, I think it was warranted. It's because if the athlete didn't done it to a team prior to that. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's okay. no more than natural for it to be done to you. Because right. I'm you have to, look, team... Yeah, you have to reap what you sow, right? You 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 know, you put it out there, you know, and it's karma. you know, when you when you're winning, yeah, it's easy to be it can do stuff like that. I mean you're an old basketball player, you know, they ain't nothing like talking trash on the basketball. <laughs> I've done it. I've done it myself many times. The biggest trash talker they said in history, two of the biggest trash talker, talkers in history was Larry Bird and Michael Jordan. And they would yes, tell you indeed. what they were going to do to you, and they would do it right after they tell you, you know? So, you know, yeah. um, but, you know, it is something that you have to, you know, a lot of people were pretty upset when it first happened because they didn't know the backdrop to, mm -hmm. you know, that Caitlin had been doing it to other people, you know? So, right. uh but it's just, but of course, people turned it into a black-white thing because, you know, you got this black girl taunting a white girl. And of course, everybody took Caitlin Clark's side saying yeah. that Angel Reese was wrong. Then we have, now, of course, sitting there at the game is our first lady, Jill Biden. And I'm still trying to figure out why Jill Biden was there. I don't even know she was that big of a basketball fan, but she was there. And Jill 
ends up speaking after the game. Um, she's in Colorado, and she's talking, and she's talking about how she wants to – she's at the state capitol there in, in Colorado. Um, she's talking about how she wants to talk to Joe uh, about bringing LSU to the White House. Of course, you know, because they always bring the champions to the White House. But then she said something crazy um, that she thinks Iowa should come to. Now, if I remember correctly, have you ever seen a second-place team get invited to the White House ever? Never. Never. Right, Leonard? Have never. you? Nope, never. Okay. So why do you think Jill Biden did this. <laughs> Both of y'all <are> quiet. <laughs> <Don't know why. laughs> yeah, I, I think mean, it was obvious. Yeah, I, I mean, what I and and I was just looking at the article. I think Jill Biden felt sorry for the whiteness of the Iowa team. Mm-hmm. You know, now now yeah. one of the things the one of the thing I, I think about too is. If Iowa had won and LSU was, you know, lost, of course, I mean, you, you know, LSU wouldn't have been extended an invite. So, nope. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I like, I think it was just what we saw. You know, I think, to be honest, I think she just related to that, uh, the Iowa team. And when they lost, she felt bad and she wanted to say something to offer, you know, some type of, condolence to them which was them coming to which um I'm, I'm sure she said it and you know she couldn't backtrack quick enough yeah and she tried you know she tried she said well i was just thinking and it didn't mean that that was something that was definitely going to do you know she said it was such a good she kept it on about it. it was such a great game it was really so good and i just felt that it that no one's to the loss, you know, it'd have been nice if we, if I just ironed both of them for playing such a great game. Well, that's not the way it's coming across. You know, matter of fact, LSU said, can we call the other first lady <laughs> and we go to her house instead? <laughs> Cause we know, we know the, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about Michelle, you know, cause you know, if Michelle could, Michelle would have them over her house in a minute. She we will. all know that, yeah. you know, so, you know, yeah. And they were just party hardy, you know. So, right. but it was really, it's really unfortunate that we still have these stereotypes and 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 these these, um, you know, why why would you why would you try to reward a team um, that lost? I mean, the the San Diego State um, Aztecs lost in the. Uh, championship game last night to UConn. Do you think they're going to get an invite to the uh, White House? I don't right. think so. The, the Eagles lost. The Eagles lost no to Kansas City, and that was a hell of a football game. I don't care how great that game was. Um, the Eagles are sitting home, and Kansas City went to, is going to the White House. You know, so um, as well as the Phillies played in the World Series. They wasn't going nowhere. You know, <laughs> you know, you, you, you know. This conversation is reminding me of uh, the governor of Florida. That <laughs> I don't, practice. I don't. Yes, <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to hurt or 
even though that yeah they scored more than you, uh, you still won the game. You know. Yep. Uh, yep, that's right. You know. All you gotta do is score one more point than the other team. That's all you gotta do. Yeah. Score one yeah. more point than the other team, and you win. Uh, what yeah. what our boy Ricky Bobby said back in the day, you know. <laughs> Second place is last place, right? Didn't he say that? Yes, indeed. No, no, no. First place. Well, so Dave, you already know Talladega Nights is my movie. He's his his exact quote is, "If you're not first, you're last." Right. Well, (laughs) I was I was was paraphrasing Leonard. Okay, all right. Okay. It's still it's still last. If you finish in second, you finish with everybody else. You know, so yeah, and that's that's the way it looked like. The South Carolina won forty-one straight games, but they didn't win the game they needed to win. So, and it doesn't matter because it goes away. You know, so, um, so I just wanted to bring that. I just wanted to bring that up to try to get a feel for, because I mean, of course, it's been a firestorm ever since it happened. It's not going away. That story's not going away. They had middle age. They had middle age and, and old white men talking about. Angel Reese and how horrible of a person she was for doing what she did, but nobody ever mentioned, you know, these same white men did not talk about Caitlin Clark when Caitlin Clark did it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, I just wanted to bring that up, talk a little bit sports, you know, I don't get to do that with anybody. Uh, you know, uh, I don't have a partner that I can talk sports with, um, uh, Norman, I'm, so I'm, 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 I'm always working. I'm always working. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right, let's move on to our next story. Go ahead, Leonard. Yep. So I'm trying to find the exact information, but next, and you know, we can just touch on this briefly. But at, I'm not sure if y'all heard, but um, a couple of weeks ago, or about a week ago on the campus of North Carolina A&T State University, which is a HBCU, there was a, um, a, somebody was arrested on campus and he was arrested with hundreds of rounds of ammo, numerous weapons, and the students were never told about it. So he was, I just want to read some of the stuff that, um, so he was charged with, um, felony, a felony for having a gun on educational property, felony for having explosive device, possessing a weapon on educational property, driving with a remote, with a revoked license, carrying a concealed handgun. And Dave and Norman, listen to this. This is what he had on his possession on the campus of North Carolina A&T University. He had multiple shotguns. He had multiple knives. He had a machete, a chainsaw, a hatchet, hundreds of rounds of ammunition, two choking devices, holy water, and a chicken foot. So a lot of <laughs> students, right? I mean, he, 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 I mean, it just sounds crazy. It almost sounds like something out of a movie. So, you know, he was arrested on the campus of A&T. He was booked. Um, the story I read said that he was released. It didn't say, I'm assuming it was on bail, but it said that he was released. 
And a lot of students are upset because the university did not immediately tell them that this happened. The university said that they thought they got a good jump on it. They kind of, you know, uh, you know, hit the situation before, you know, before it became a dangerous situation. So they did not feel the need to immediately tell the students, which to a lot of them was concerning. And, you know, I, I just kind of want to get y'all input on it. And I, I guess, Norman, you know, um, you know, just kind of how you feel, you know, about the university not telling the students. Do you think they should have told the students immediately or if um, if the, if the university thought they had it under control, is it OK to kind of wipe it on the rug and, you know, avoid that PR nightmare. Well, that institution is just like, and I'm going to put it this way, all white institutions that's out here today, that uh, the less you know, right, <laughs> is the less that you need to. And I think the institution should have announced it quicker than they are already have done. But from administration stand of view, institution stand of view, point of view, they will not do that because they're afraid of the panic. Right. And 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 we all know like these black colleges, we, we have a lot of problems there. It, inner problems on those institutions, like the dorms are not adequate or not to prefer, uh, not properly funded. So they just didn't want to add more to what's already going on at these institutions. Personally, yeah. I think it should be old because uh, the nature um, of the activity of this young man. Yeah, I definitely agree. I what, would, what about, I'm sorry, go ahead, Norman. I say I would feel better if they would have done that. Yeah. Yeah. What, what about but you, Dave? Find a little... Yeah, go ahead. Um, I assume this kid was black, right? No, the person on campus was white. Ah, interesting. Did they go to school Very there? interesting. <laughs> no. They, Did they go they, to school there? No, they were not a student at the school. So how were they on campus? So apparently, and I, I, I've never been to North Carolina Antique, apparently they have an open campus. So kind of like Howard is where you can, you know, it's just in the city and you can kind of drive through it. So I'm not exactly sure what tip the officers off to even stop the there car. The gun that he had on him and all that kind of stuff. Well, so so apparently <laughs> apparently he was in his car. Um, but it doesn't exactly say you know what made. The, I mean, to be honest, I, I I don't know. Maybe reverse reverse racial profiling. Like, okay, a white person driving around the campus A and T. Maybe he don't look familiar. Or maybe he's been there before and that wasn't the first time he actually went there to that campus and maybe somebody spotted him and said hey i've noticed this guy here a few times maybe we need to check him out um and in fact Dave, you know, I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm, 
about to say, I'm looking at the article. It said that while riding through campus, he stopped to ask a police officer for help. That officer saw a handgun in the passenger seat along with numerous other weapons. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah. So that, that right even weirder. He's, he's got him sitting out for people to see, and he's going to stop and ask the police officer. Right. So he had to want it to get caught. Maybe that's what that was. Possibly. Yeah. Um, you know, with all the shootings that we've had over over the last few years, especially at these schools and everything, you know, when you look at something like that, it's really scary because the people, I mean, people are able to go into a gun shop and it's one thing you buy a handgun. It's another thing you buy a, a hunting rifle or something like that. But people are going in buying assault weapons. Yeah. And I just find that so amazing that, you know, an 18-year-old can walk into a gun shop and buy three or four assault weapons and nobody stops them and says, what are you going to do? Or I can't sell to you because you're only 18 years old. I can't sell these kind of guns to you. I mean, Norman, what do you, what's your opinion on that? How do you feel about that? It's about money. Yeah, well, yeah, it's always about I, money. I, yeah. I, I, I don't care what your reasoning or why you want it. As long as I get paid, it's about money. This is my business. I mean, the bottom line. I mean, you know, it's been proven, you know, on these school shootings. Mm-hmm. It's about money and power. As long yeah. as it's not me shot or my kids, eh, I don't care. Well, it's funny because I, I had to think I had to think back to I had to think back to the pandemic when we were in the height of the pandemic, and there was only certain businesses that was open. You had liquor stores, you had the grocery stores, and for some reason we had gun shops that were open during the whole pandemic. And those lines and the lines and people buying weapons was bigger than people buying food. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that and, and and it really I just never understood why are gun shops like the most popular place to go purchase things? I just never got that. And, you know, during the pandemic, it seemed like you would be worried about a little bit more than purchasing a gun at that particular time. You know, so but, you know, it's it's really a shame that we have these type of people. You know, I was telling Leonard last week. uh there was a, a picture that was posted online, uh, obviously by some young people, where, you know, there was a post that went along with it that said that 11, at 11.15 that day, they were planning on shooting up, going to, with a friend of theirs, going to Cap Calloway, well, I shouldn't probably said the name, but anyway, to school, um, high school in Wilmington, which is a very popular charter school, and shooting up start shooting people and he said you know and they had a nerve to finish up by saying god have mercy on them you know now with you know i was freaked out about it because i have a granddaughter that goes there you know and Mm -hmm. and you know and they kind of handled that situation the same way the college did you know 
but they had the cops and everything come over there and there were cops there and they kind of got everybody in a certain area of the school. But you know what was so funny about the whole thing? There was no mention on it on social media, no news coverage, no nothing about what happened there. <laughs> nothing. I'll, I'll, I'll say it's probably just like Norma said, that everyone just want to keep it under the radar, don't want to yeah. cause a panic and all that. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, but this is the world we live in now. And it's really a shame. And, you know, I'm glad. So did they say in the article, Leonard, that he was arrested? And So they, they said he was arrested. He has charges against him, but it said that he's been released. So I'm assuming released on bail, which which is crazy in itself. Because he can still go shoot somebody. Yeah. Yeah, what's going to stop him? So, uh, uh, anyway. You know, these stories, man, they just get us so present. Leonard, Leonard and I have been doing this show over a year and a half now, and we've had so many of those kind of stories. It's crazy. So, um, okay, well, yeah, we're going to move on. Let's go to our last story of the day. Yep, so our last story is about um, animator, black animator, name of Leo D. Sullivan. He was one of the first black um, animators to own his own production studio. Um, He recently passed away at the age of 82. He is um, best known for creating the Soul Train logo, animated logo. So like the the train that kind of goes through the mountains. Um, So he's best known for that. He also worked on uh, countless shows, including The Flintstones, Scooby-Doo, Mighty Mouse, Fat Albert, Super Friends, The Transformers, My Little Pony, Tiny Toon Adventures, and The Animaniacs. Um, And he was also, I just want to get this correct, in 1991, he was inducted into the Black Filmmakers Hall of Fame. And in 1992, he received an Emmy, an Emmy for his work in the movie um, Floyd Norman and Animated Life. So just want to give a quick shout out. That was my first time of hearing about Leo D. Sullivan. But, you know, I, I think everybody of a certain age can remember that Soul Train logo and, you know, the the jingle mm-hmm. that went along with it. Yeah. <laughs> What's amazing is when I listened to the list of shows that you said he worked on, those were all very popular cartoons. Yeah, definitely. And and, and, um, and I guess you can see the kind of influence that he must have had on those cartoons at that particular time. And here we go again, talking about what we were talking about earlier, history that we didn't know anything about, you know. And here it is, you know, we're hearing about this guy. Because this guy should have been more celebrated than than he is with all of that that he's done. Um, the Black Filmmakers Hall of Fame, that's great. But he should be in the Filmmakers Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know? I mean, the anim- animators and, you know, all... First of all, animation is some of the hardest type of filmmaking that you could ever do. It's one of the... Because, you know, you basically are putting together these cartoons frame by frame, right. you know, and, and, you know, that's why it takes like 
anywhere from five to ten years to get a, a full-length feature out because of everything they have to do now. And, of course, they've been able to, to get things to move a little quicker now with all the digital stuff that they do. But just think about the old school, a guy like him, the old school uh, filmmaker that probably was sitting there in front of right. tape and splicing and all of that type of stuff and putting these cartoons together and making the movements perfect and all of that type of stuff. So um, my hat's off to Mr. Sullivan. It's good that you um, spotted this, Leonard, you know, because that's something that, you know, when you think about that Soul Train logo, that's that's crazy. You know, you never thought about, who, I wonder who did that. But now right. we know, <laughs> you know, so, you know, um, so it's good that you brought that up. And, and that's that's great um, that he he got some recognition. He should be getting more recognition. Um, hopefully people will talk more about him and show a lot about his work. And that's somebody that they should do one of these little mini uh, documentaries on and show his work, um, you know, and give him the credit that he's due. I, I really feel that way about that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, okay. All right. But well, thanks for bringing that little tidbit up. All right. So you guys have been listening to news and trends with Dave and Lynn and our guest, Mr. Norman Dempster. So what we're going to do now, we're going to do our final uh, spot, which is Leonard's favorite thing. It's called Dave's Corner. That's why it's Leonard's favorite thing, because it's called <laughs> Dave's Corner. And so, and what we normally do here, Norman, is that normally I ask a question or give a little scenario, um, and then I ask our guest or ask my co-host, you know, to answer or give their thoughts on what I what I ask, and um, then. Uh, we go from there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you guys my um, scenario for today as far as Dave's Corner goes for today. And this is the scenario. If you were if you were reincarnated as an animal based on your personality, your current personality, what animal do you think you would come back as? Let's go with our guest first. Where do you think you would come back as, Norman? Hmm. That's a good one, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a new one. That's a new one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would come back as a lion. Okay. All right. He's going, he going right to the, the king of the jungle. Yeah, okay. All the right. king. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Any particular reason why you chose that animal? Because he's dominant. Okay. Norman ain't playing Don't around. Okay. <laughs> Don't mess with me, but if you do mess with me, dominant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what 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 the lion say from the whiz? I'm a mean old lion. Don't mess with me. <laughs> you know, so, you know, so um, okay. Hey, hey, right. I'm about to say, Norman, if you haven't noticed, Dave knows all the movie references. You know, right, he, I do. He, he, he knows all the quotes. That's what? Yeah. So, and and Leonard, Leonard, Leonard is not a movie watcher. And so he, you know, every now and then he might throw something out there every now and then. So, but you know, yeah. you got to have references, man. You got to have references. So, I know, Dave, you know, Dave, 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 I know, yeah. because if you're not first, you're last, okay? <laughs> okay, all right. 
So I think I would be an eagle. And and, and I say that is because, you know, I like to I like to be aware of things. I like to be able to see things um, and, you know, just really kind of know what's going on. And I think of an eagle. I just think of, you know, just being aware of everything going around and, um, you know, just kind of having, quote unquote, a bird's eye view. Of course. Yeah, there you go. All right, there you go. All right. Um, I know myself, I was thinking about this and I was trying to figure out what I would come back. I had a couple of things that pop in my mind, but I think well, I like... Well, yeah, only name one. I am. I think okay. I like... Right. This is the one. This is the one that I think I would come back as, a bear. Okay? And the reason I say that, and I'm a big guy, you know, I'm, you know, uh, you know, I, I got good height to me, you know, uh, and... Bears, bears are interesting creatures because they can be, they can be, you know, soft and cuddly and, and, you know, um, really draw you in. But if you piss them off, that's a problem. You know what I mean? So, uh, plus they just have that stature that, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll let you think that you can talk to us for a little bit, but then, you know, if you get on the wrong side of it, you may not want to stay around too long because we're going we're going to take it out on you. So, um, but the bear, I think I would be, I would think I would come back as a bear. Plus, you know, who's going to mess with a bear? That, that is true. You know, and, and and don't try to give me no cocaine. I don't want it. So you know, so <laughs> so, no, so, so I ain't doing the cocaine. Cocaine. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dan, I, Dan, I, um, I was just thinking you probably want to explain that reference in case Norman hasn't yeah, seen. Norm, you heard it, you heard of the movie Cocaine Bear? Yeah, I seen that preview. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, that's what I was making a reference. To. <laughs> yeah, well, well yeah. Dave, Dave, Dave I, I'll tell you, it's funny too because uh, Norman, and just real quick before we get off, one night out at the campground, <laughs> and I was, and I mean, it, it's so funny, and I. I don't really consider myself a scary type person. So, you know, wherever I got to go, whatever. But um, it was dark and uh, we we're, we we're in our cabin and my wife said, oh, can you walk over to cabin number so-and-so and grab something? I left it. And, and this was like the farthest cabin from where we are is down a little lane. And I actually felt a certain way. I was like, are you coming with me? And she was like, no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I just had to tell her, you know, you know, sometimes the mind can really psych you out on certain stuff. So even though you're not scared of the dark and you know, there's no bears in Delaware, uh, knock on wood. I felt a certain way walking over to that cabin that, you know, I really had to, you know, you know, keep my eyes open. That That's neither here nor there. Are there bears down there in that area, Norman? <laughs> well, I used to have a cook that used to work for me a long time ago during the Gun and Ride Club, and she says, "Be aware of the bears in the woods with no fur." <laughs> and I said, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> And her name was Juanita, and I said, "Juanita, where in the hell are you talking about?" 
he talking about a black man. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Be All aware right. of the bear in the woods with no fur. Uh, right. <laughs> He's talking about a black man. <laughs> wow, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, there we there you have it, folks. That's our show for tonight. Um, we want to thank our guest, um, Mr. Norman Dempster, for coming thank you, on thank and you. hanging out with us, and the former owner of the DNR um, campground, as he hangs out with the new owner of the DNR campground, so Mr. Leonard Young. And we want to say, surely, uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show, and I look forward to meeting you uh, personally myself. Um, you know, when I come down, and um, um, is there anything you want to say before we uh, time off? Um, is there anybody you want to say anything to? Well, I'd like to say thank you to both of you gentlemen for having me. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening to the show because Leonard told me that you had listened to our show and that you really, you know, that you listened to a few of the shows and really enjoyed it. And so uh, thank you for taking the time to do that. We really appreciate it. Edition of News and Trends with your host, Dave and Lynn.